0: Good afternoon, tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm your host here, as always, Austin Peterson, coming to you live from Gilbert, Arizona. Best time of the year to live in Arizona. It's 74 degrees today on December 5th as we record this, this episode. And it's, I mean, it literally, it's the best time of the year to live in Arizona. I'm able to run outside, bike outside, do anything that I want to do outside, at any time of the of the day actually and and in the morning when i typically want to go out and work out it's it's a little bit chilly and i put a jacket on and a hat and gloves and so it it feels like i get a little bit of winter without actually having to deal with real cold and real snow and all those kinds of things that i i have no desire to be involved with on a day-to-day basis so Anyhow, today, Tycoons of Small Biz, if you guys, if it's the first time you're listening to us, thanks for listening. We're excited to have a new guest on the show today. So we've done it in this format for 167 episodes, about three and a half years. We started Cinco de Mayo 2020, and our goal has been to tell a story from a business owner uh, each week. So let them talk about who they are, what they do, why they do it, what's important to them, their successes, their failures, all those sorts of things. And we've had some great guests along the way. We are making a change, and you'll you'll hear that in another episode where we kind of talk about our philosophy and what we're going to do going forward with the podcast. But we've built a great community and are very grateful for those who listen and those who have been guests in the past. So with that today, we definitely have a tycoon on the, on the podcast with us today. We've got Christopher Mallory with Top to Bottom Solutions coming to us from Cornelius, North Carolina. Christopher, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks, Austin, for having us.
0: Yeah, excited to to kind of hear your story, get to know a little bit more about you and 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 your company. But let's let's start with the personal side. Maybe actually first tell the listeners where Cornelius, North Carolina is cuz I don't think anybody or most people listening will will know where that is and then tell us about you personally. Where did you grow up? Did you study something in college? Did you go to college? Were you in the military? Do you have a family? Whatever you want us to know about you personally.
1: Perfect. So Cornelius, North Carolina, Cornelius in North Carolina, it's a small, small town attached to, char- to Charlotte, Charlotte Metro uh, on the north side, right near Lake Norman. We've been, we've been, we've had this office, has been a part of the organization since probably the late nineties in that location. we've obviously expanded over the last few years. And then the other side of the question was about my personal Say that one more time, Austin.
0: Yeah. Just anything you want us to
1: know about you personally, your upbringing, education, yep. family, whatever. Gotcha. So born and raised in the Charlotte, the greater Charlotte area, raised in a, a very retail he- heavy family. Both my parents managed, you know, restaurants and bowling alleys growing up. So we were very fast paced, out of the box, you know, all over the place, you know, kind of family growing up. I'm a I'm the oldest of four. So I've got a younger brother and two younger sisters, brother, my wife, his wife are all in the school, work in the school district. I love kids, but not that much. So (laughs) I could not handle being in in the school district. So top to bottom is owned by myself, my mom. And obviously we've worked together since about 2010 and challenged the the you know the argument i think that some people have that families shouldn't work together we have a really good really good working relationship and it's it's built around us staying in our own lanes so that's that's a little bit about me awesome
0: yeah so greater charlotte area i don't I, i've been there i don't know a ton about about the greater charlotte area but i do know about spending a lot of time as a child in a bowling alley so we, we have that connection
1: Yeah. I like it. I like it. Lots of, lots of late nights listening to jukebox music. Why the older folks were, were going at it. So I, I, I really enjoyed that, that time for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my dad was in gosh, two or three leagues a week. I mean, we were, we were just there all the time. At some point when I was younger, my mom worked at the bowling alley. So, you know, after school, that's where I'd go and I'd get some onion rings and work on my homework and, you know, do all those sorts of things. So, you know, good memories and maybe not so good things. So memories were fine, but that was a time when it was still okay to smoke inside of a bowling alley. And so, you know, I'm sure I took a lot of secondhand smoke as a, as a young child, which was probably not great for me. Yep.
1: You are, you are preaching my childhood. I can remember it all like it was yesterday yeah absolutely.
0: All right, so Chris, Christopher, we're here to talk about the top to bottom solutions. So tell us what top to bottom solutions does.
1: yeah, perfect. so so top to bottom business solutions is a, a a bookkeeping firm first. So we're a virtual mostly virtual bookkeeping firm that does business for small business owners all across the country. We're in forty five states. We also offer, Payroll processing and tax payroll tax tax work for for those small business owners as well. Bookkeeping includes everything from b- basic data entry for small business owners, getting their their expenses and income into their accounting software. You know, all the way up to you know month end close reconciliations. Um, you know, specialized reporting, sales and use tax filings you know, so on and so forth. That is, you know, from a high level, that's, that's who we are. Gotcha. So from a high
0: level, many know, but many also do not know. Just tell us real quick, the importance of a company that does what you guys do for small business owners.
1: Yeah. I mean, from, from my perspective and the, the hundreds of, of business owners that we do work for and partners that we have, you know, in and around our industry, I, I would answer that question saying, you know, most business owners are really, really strong at the trade or the business that they've started. You know, a financial advisor has gone to school to be a financial advisor, a, you know, a masonary, a masoner has gone to school to be a mason worker, you know, and they're not trained in how to keep books and not only how to keep them, but then once you actually have them and they're right. What do I do with this information? How can I use it to make decisions in my business? So, so we we provide that that backend solution, and we also, you know, give business owners a little time back in their day. You know, business owners are notorious for working at night and on the weekends on their books, and um, when they should be spending time with their family. I mean, let's be honest; we've got to be able to balance both. You can't you can't be know, too much in either, either realm and be happy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and having, having books
0: that are clean are important in a lot of ways, right? So obviously when it comes to tax time, if you have clean books, it's easier for your tax professional to file your tax returns. If you're ever wanting to sell your business, having good clean financials that are accurate and easy to read, is extremely important somebody who wants to buy your business needs to be able to see exactly what's going on and that information is inside of those financials that you guys are putting together for them
1: that's right and and even even if you're going to get financing let's say you want to buy another business or you want to get a loan to pay buy some equipment for your company to expand all of those things require good good financials to to be able to to get done Yep. Yep. No doubt
0: about it. All right. So uh, you've got an interesting background. So you, you jumped into this with your mom. looks like you kind of followed in her footsteps and your dad's footsteps to begin with in the, in the restaurant business. So you're a former restaurant manager and now you're, you're helping run this seven figure business. So, and, and leading 30 people. So talk to us a little bit about what that transition was like.
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a transition that couldn't happen Fast enough, You know, I, I spent a long time managing people in, in the restaurant business, you know, and for all the, anybody out there that's a restaurant veteran, you know, you know, it's, it's 90 hours. It's always on call. It's, it's, it's so closely connected to what being a small business owner is like, you know, hard to turn it off. You know, when you're sitting on the weekend on the couch and you're just like, I, I can't, I just can't stop thinking about this big decision I have blooming. So you know i spent a couple of years you know training and working on a on a way to, to to find a way out of the business and i had met a gentleman in in the cornelius area when I, while i was running a restaurant who owned an accounting firm and he and he at the time you know, was looking for a new staff accountant to join his team my mom had been in the business and accounting for a long time i connected them and she, she got started working for him early on. A couple of years later, I was, you know, I, I had my first daughter who's, you know, 13 now. And, you know, the day she was born, I was like, enough's enough. Like, I don't, I don't want to miss her soccer games. I don't want to miss her, you know, school events. I don't want to miss any of that. And so that was the day it was like, it's time to, 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 to make this move. And, And Alex, the owner of the other company, you know, gave me an opportunity and I couldn't jump at it fast enough. So I I spent, you know, about 30 seconds considering, (laughs) considering making the jump, not only a a massive cut in pay, but, you know, a huge leap of faith to, to, to see if, if we could make something, something else work.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a familiar story right i mean i think a lot of a lot of business owners when they when they take that leap it it involves a massive cut in pay it it involves a leap of faith it involves believing in yourself and and wanting to provide something better for you and for your family so i mean all of these things that you mentioned are, are pretty familiar with a lot of a lot of you know entrepreneurs that make that leap so you know, to go from restaurants to accounting, though, I mean, t- tell us more about what that entailed when you joined. Like, did you learn different parts of bookkeeping and and accounting, or, you know, w- what what was your role when you made that transition?
1: Yeah, no, that's 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 a great question. I, I have I've always since uh, high school, college, and management, I always had a very natural affinity to working with. P&Ls and budgets and financials. When I was in lar- in my larger restaurant organization as a as a GM in a large company, we spent a lot of time, sometimes more time than actually in our restaurants, working with other GMs in the area and training and de- and developing their skill set around financial management and how to do a budget and how to understand the information. So, I I needed to find something when I left hospitality management, I needed to find something that I knew I could love. I, I didn't want to, I don't want to leave and I'd go be a car salesman. And, you know, no, no offense to a car sales or any other industry out there, but I, that's not who I am. So when I transitioned into the accounting world, you know, the first, the first almost two years, i just did accounting work and I trained just like anybody else. And I had accounts just like anybody else and learn the system as just an accountant before before i actually went out and started trying to sell and i know we'll get to that a little bit later when i when and when i moved to wilmington for a while but it, it kind of all played into it and it was and it just turned out b- better than anybody me or my wife could have imagined yeah yeah no I, I
0: that's a great point i mean a lot of people don't think about it but restaurants they operate on razor thin margins. I mean, just razor thin margins, and and trying to figure out the pricing of every dish, and you know the labor costs and the overhead with you know utilities and rent and you know all these kinds of things. It, it takes a very very keen eye on the numbers to to make restaurants work. There, there's a reason that restaurants have a higher failure rate than any other company or any other industry out there.
1: Agreed. And it, and I think it takes, you know, there's, there's millions of restaurants out there and there's millions of operators that operate restaurants. What I saw in my time was that the ones that were more about financials almost had more success than those were that were more about the actual people in the business. And that's, that's, that's unfortunate because I don't think that's how you should operate a business. And so many times I would see people who couldn't do both. And I, you'd see, and you'd just see them fail, you know, and play into that. So it's a tough business. I mean, you you just started to 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 scratch the surface of, of you know, what makes it so tough, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: All right. So you make this transition at this point. You and your mom are both working there, and you've got this accountant that's given you guys both an opportunity. Somebody that you you clearly had a liking for somebody that you enjoyed working with and and for. So how do we get from working for him to that, to now you and your mom owning the business together?
1: Yeah. So, so when we start with him, when we, when I start with him, she'd already been with him for a couple of years. I, I start with him. One of the stipulations of starting with them, part of the offer was that he wanted us to move out to the coast to Wilmington. 10, that's where my mom already was, and start an office there. Right, he at the time wasn't really interested in growing anymore in in his area, and so he, he hired me to develop under him for a while in the accounting side, and then to start building a business. So, so we we picked up, we moved out to Wilmington, and got started, and, and spent a couple of years, like I said, there working on the accounting side, and as we as we spent year and year, year after year went by and we had started building over time a client base in that Wilmington market as well, it started becoming very apparent to us to, to my mom and myself that you know he, he wasn't long for the business like he he had been through some personal tragedy in the years leading up to and the business wasn't growing outside of our market in Wilmington. In fact, the Charlotte business was probably slowly declining and, and he, he just didn't have the appetite to grow or, or adjust to the times, even with the success that he had. So, so fast forward to 20, 2017, in 2017, you know, I, we sat down with him and said, Hey, we, we know that you can't, you know, it'd be tough for you to operate your business. Not impossible. If, if we weren't still involved. We'd like to go ahead and start our new company. And if you're open to it, we'd like to go ahead and acquire your business and and get started. At that time, he wasn't ready to give up the the whole business. So he sold us the Wilmington market that we had created, right? So we started off with a small chunk and we were were working on that business on the nights and weekends. We were still doing accounting work for him for his, his main hub of business. And then in 2019, so just, just, you know, two, two quick years later, we got a phone call one afternoon. It was like, Hey, I'm coming to Wilmington tomorrow. I want to take you guys to dinner. And as soon as I got off the phone, I was like, I know exactly what's coming. Like he's coming here. He's coming here to talk, talk about being done. And that's exactly what it was. So he offered us the opportunity to, to go ahead and acquire the rest of his business, And that's in in October of 2019, just a handful of months before COVID, we, we took on the rest of his business. and, And on that day, I think we had 10, 10 team members, including me, my mom, myself.
0: Okay. So you bought it in chunks. Let's talk about the actual structure of that. So 2017, you buy the Wilmington portion, 2019, you buy the rest. How was it structured? Did you guys take out an SBA loan? Did you guys have cash on hand? Did he finance it? What, what did that look like for you guys?
1: Yeah. So from 2017 to 2019, we paid off the initial chunk that we had purchased. So we worked really hard around the clock to get that debt off the books. And then in 2019, he, he owner financed all of the loan. So he's he gave us a... X amount of year payout with the lowest interest rate that our CPAs would allow and allowed us to, to make payments to him.
0: Okay. And yeah. is that paid off at this point or still paying on that? Two, two years left. Two years left for his okay. payout. Yeah. All right. So that was four years ago, maybe four and a half, depends on what time of year that that, that took place. So yeah. what has the business
1: done since? from a financial perspective it has it has taken off i mean we can talk about procedure and process stuff if we get to that but from a financial perspective and a growth perspective i think we've we've you know shattered our any initial projections we have today today we you know were you know quite a ways into seven figures and we we've we're up to 40 team members and You know with some tweaks to our process and the kind of clients we were trying to get we've really found you know a pretty straightforward you know way of growing the business and the clients and the team members you know you can't go past the team members gotcha so well into
0: the seven figures is that what does that represent is that double what it was when you took it over triple quadruple
1: we're, we are in 2024, we'll, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be between five and six times what the business was with, with the first year we took it over in 20, that would be the first full year would be 2020. Gotcha. So, and it wasn't, a, it was not a seven figure business when we joined forces. It was a merger technically at that point.
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously, tremendous growth for four years' time, four and a half years, you know, five to five years. By the time you get through twenty twenty four, what's the secret?
1: What was your guys' secret to be able to do that? Automation, um, getting really, really good at finding and retaining talented people, and and that's it. Uh, automation. When I say automation, I also mean. Process improvement. You know, he he, his company had been around since since the early '90s. So it was very paper heavy. It was very file cabinets, and you know everything's got to be saved and stored. All of that is gone, and we are very sleek, nimble. You know, you know, during COVID, it was very easy for us to go remote. That would not have been, you know, it would not have been like that in 2018 or 2017. It took a lot of work and investment on the front end to get to that place. But the, the, the number one reason for that growth is all around team members. It's you can't go any farther than that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have great team members who actually do do the work. And then either you've got to have an outsourced sales team or an inside sales team who's, who's driving those additional opportunities. So, Tell us a little bit about your process there. There are plenty of people who are listening to the show who are in a service-based business like yourself and they're kind of working in their area, just like the guy that you bought it from, right? He was working in the Charlotte area, he was working in the Wilmington area, but they'd like to do what you're doing and go 45 states wide. So what are you guys doing or what have you guys done from a sales process to be able to pull that off?
1: Yeah, um, I would say, So I'll begin with the end in mind, you know, 90, about 90% of all of our business is organic and referral based, right? We did not hire our first um, business development person until 2021. And up until, up until just a few months ago, it was just him and I just Kyle and myself and lots and lots of networking. And that's not just in group settings, but also, you know, understanding the five or six different kinds of companies that could be good referral partners for us, CPAs, obviously any kind of tax preparer, you know, financial advisors, business brokers, and just really fostering those relationships and continuing to to stay on top of them and check in on them And, and not going to them with what we offer. But also, but more importantly, getting to know what they do and finding ways to get them referrals, it has, it has, you know, inevitably got this snowball moving, that's allowed us to grow in our local markets. And when it comes to spreading out around the country, that's been f- through very targeted franchise development. You know, it in our business and a lot of other service businesses, it, you you're not always looking for the end referral right? I meet a franchisor, I take them to lunch, I get to know them and they understand what we do and how we can support their organization as they grow, we grow with them. So it's, it's, it's strategic, very, very strategic partnerships. And then just, just ke- keeping the relationships fresh.
0: Yeah. I, I think that strategic partnership, aspect gets missed a lot in a lot of different businesses, right? I don't think that a lot of business owners think about who their strategic partners are, or in other words, who else in other businesses are serving the exact same clients that I'm serving, right? Mm -hmm. My ideal client is this person or this type of a business. Who else do they have as their advisors or their vendors or their suppliers or whatever And then trying to build relationships with those people who are in those businesses, because then there is that ability, like you said, to, to truly share contacts,
1: both directions. That's right. I mean, whether it's local mastermind groups that have like-minded individuals, if you sit down and write up the, you know, the top 10 strategic partners, not those aren't people, right? Those are the, you know, a market vertical, like what, what kinds of companies like for an accounting firm, a banker, a business banker literally touches every single small business owner. So getting to know them so that the first time they get a phone call from somebody that's like, I'm trying to get a loan. And, and the response is, well, do you have financials? No. Call Chris. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I make it sound easy. It's not because relationship building is the most fun and most challenging thing to do getting to know what makes Austin tick and make sure that I'm servicing him so that he'll want to service me I don't think there's a more challenging part but it, it goes into the people game that you could talk about with your own team
0: yep yeah there's no doubt about it and and I would say that consistency is key right it's not trying to form a relationship one time and realizing hey we've got something in common we can refer back and forth but you have to maintain that relationship just like any other relationship in your life with your clients, with your spouse, any of that kind of stuff. You just have to consistently maintain that relationship.
1: Absolutely. Couldn't, could not agree more.
0: Yeah. All right. So Chris, what, what are you most passionate about at this point as a business owner?
1: What am I the most passionate about? Protect, protecting the, my time. My team's time and my client's time—that's twenty-four-seven. You know, when I'm when I'm in work mode, I am trying to make sure that my team's not working too many, too much, too many hours. You know, and 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 quite frankly, I'm giving time back to my clients because that is the value proposition for what I do. Almost sometimes on top of accuracy of, of books. You know, entries and uh, entries and things can be made and adjusted to make the numbers right, or to maybe make a make a, a small business owner's books better for the tax preparer. Because sometimes those are different things, right? Managerial accounting and tax accounting aren't always the same thing. I'm I look at things from managerial accounting perspective. I want to deliver you information that that you can use it to make decisions in your business today, so and, and tomorrow. So, so the time that you have to spend and making sure that I'm not, that I'm, I'm delivering on that promise of, of that is what's most important to me. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense and I, and, you know, not to call you out on this, but there are a lot of people who say time or work-life balance, you know, that's important to me. So what and there are there are plenty, I mean, probably half of anybody who listens to anybody talk about that says it's just not possible. It doesn't exist as a business owner. So what is your key to balancing your time? You mentioned that being there for all the things that are important for your daughter, you know, was was what kind of made you say, I've got to make this shift. I can't continue to work the nights and weekends and all that that's required in the hospitality industry. So we know it's important to you for that reason. And there are probably other reasons too, but what do you do specifically to make that work for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've read a lot about the work-life balance stuff and I, I left the business working a ton of hours, both in, in the building and out of the building. And I, I, I was absolutely not going to do something else that, that created that. So I think, I think that when, when work-life balance comes out of, I think that when, when you have a successful business person that is also working a ton of hours, right? The question is, do they want to be doing that? Or they don't, if you, if you say, I'm not going to do that, you've got to set your business up in a way that can, can meet you where you want to be. And and I'm, so I understand number one, that I don't want to set up a business that causes anybody in my company to have to work more than I want to work at four o'clock every day at four, four 30 Eastern time. I'm done. I'm not, I'm not working after that time. I'm spending time with my family. You'll catch me. You'll catch me on an email every once in a while, Saturday, Sunday morning, because luckily I have all girls and they all sleep <laughs> all day on Saturday and Sunday. So I can, I get to to do that, but but quite frankly, I don't, I don't want to grow at a rate or have too much responsibility in my own organization that causes me to have to work 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And I'm willing to trade profit margin sometimes and not, having, not being the main source of responsibility in my own company or, or, or autonomy in an effort to keep that squared up, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it comes down to, in in my opinion, if I could sum up what you just said in, in really two words, mm. it would be setting, well, I shouldn't say two words in two phrases, setting boundaries, right. Yep.
1: And then delegating. That's it. And that's one of the very unique things that was, was taught to me being in the restaurant business as a manager of, you know, at one point a hundred, a hundred people, including eight managers. What do they tell you in, in management school? You're only as good as the business when you're not there, right? You, you have to set everything up to have a fail safe so that if you're not around or somebody else is around, it doesn't crumble. So when you, when you go through life and business, trying to make sure you're always creating that, that bubble around yourself of protection, you really grow and raise the people that you have on your team up you know, in a more efficient, effective manner, in my opinion, as you do that. You know, I've, I've got, you know, with 42 people, you know, I've got, you know, a, a controller that handles our financials and I've got somebody who handles training when a new team member comes in and, and keeps up training, you know, over the years, they do, you know, additional trainings for people. Everybody understands their role. They've, they've helped build it and they're excited about what they do.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think it's it's key. We've talked about this many times on the program over the years. Landon and I talk about it with our clients on a daily basis. It's really hard to kind of drill this through the head of a business owner a lot of times or to get them to, to take steps to make this possible. But the less dependent your business is on you, the more valuable it is to an outside buyer. And so it, it's hard to get your head around that because, you, you know, you built this. It's my baby. I I have the, you know, the information in my head to run it. You got to get it out of the head and you've got to get everything delegated to other people to run the day to day in order for that business to work for you and then to be more valuable at an exit, whatever that exit looks like. Right. It may be your one of your daughters that wants to come in and take over, but if all the information's in your head, that just means you've got to work side by side with them for however long to get all the stuff then into their head. So yep. it, it's all about building systems and delegating.
1: Well, and 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 to add on to that, you know, you know, business owners every day have to make a decision. Am I happy with where my business is? And they also have to make a decision every day where do I want it to go? Right. If, if, if you are starting a business to just take care of yourself and your family, which is a very admirable, great thing, and you just need enough money coming in to, to service that, that's different from somebody who's like, I want, I'm willing to take this wherever it goes and, and follow it. And then you have the third person who's like, I want to build an empire. If in all three of those different scenarios, it's a you have the mindset's different about how you attack it, and then you have to balance. What do I want to make? What do I need to make now? What do I want my financial future to look like? And how much, how many hours a week do I want to put into this? Somewhere in there is everybody. And, and that's the decision that you have to make, but you can be somebody who wants to, to start your own thing and just take care of yourself. And, and you can build something that, that, you know, maybe gives you better generational wealth and helps you, you and your family in the future and build a team around you so that you don't mess up the, the work-life equilibrium that, that you, that you touched on.
0: Yep. All right. So I know that you're driven to grow this business every single month, but so one part of the question is what drives you to grow it that way? And then since you just threw out those different types, right? So enterprise builder, build something wherever, you know, wherever it takes you or providing yourself a job and providing a great living for your family. Which one of those is you?
1: Yeah, no, that's great. So the the first question was what drives me to that growth? And I think that feeds into the second piece. I'm definitely in the middle. I did not start this thinking, okay, how can I get the 20,000 clients and 2000 employees and have a, you know, $50 million a year company? I started it. I started it thinking, and if I could get to like 20 or 25 people and have, you know, four to 600 clients, that would be, that would be success to me. And every day I get up and I'm like, okay, we've passed that. Now what? So I don't, I don't think I'm, I don't have the appetite to like go out and get investment money and, and, and blow the doors off of it. The 15 to 20 clients we add every month, we, we don't, we don't have to work hard from a sales perspective to get them in. That is a nice steady growth and something I can be proud of and I can bring my kids into when they get old enough or exit if they don't want to, if they don't want to do it. And, you know, just like in an investment account, it's gonna stack on value year over year over year. And when I'm ready to to make a decision, I can. So that's, you know, I, I take it day to day. I'm planned out year over year, but I, but it's really a day-to-day thing because I don't, I want to make sure I'm happy and the people on my team are happy with where we're at.
0: Yeah. Well, and and consistent, steady growth like that makes it a little bit easier for you to plan, right? I mean, you can look at it and say, our average staff accountant or staff bookkeeper, whatever you, you know, however you want to look at it works with this many clients, we're adding this many clients every single month. So we've got to add this many new team members every month or every year in order to make that happen.
1: Yep. We can, I mean, we've got it down to, you know, we've got it down to a volume and hours metric and, you know, we've got our team split up into. I mean, we've got our company, our accounting part of our company split up into teams. We know exactly what the team can handle when it needs to be hired for, you know, the profile, the person that fits the team. I mean, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. I love, I absolutely love what I do.
0: Yeah. All right. So you love it. It's gone, it's gone well, but that doesn't come without hiccups, right? So two part question, what's the biggest challenge that you've had over the last five years, six years, since you made the first part of the acquisition and on an ongoing basis, because with the way you guys are growing, you're doing this all the time. What's the biggest challenge that you guys have in training and onboarding new employees, specifically because you guys are working with clients all across the country?
1: Yeah. So, biggest hiccup that we've faced up till now. Man, that's challenging. I, you know what? I know this. This will this will be a curveball. The biggest hiccup we faced by far is is keeping a good enough pipeline of tax preparers that we can send referrals to. We pass a, 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 a probably close to 200 referrals to CPA or tax preparers, not just CPAs, but tax preparers in a year. And we're constantly having to find new ones because they, they fill up. I don't know how in the Southeast we're at it's it's, there's just not enough, and so we're constantly having to, to to hunt for good people to send tax work to. That's probably been the struggle, the biggest struggle or hiccup per se. As far as training goes, ongoing. You know, we've got our initial training program down to a really down to a science. Depending on the person and the personality profile that, you know of the person we hire, so it's probably ongoing training and development. You know, think things on a, t- from a tech side and an AI side are changing very quickly. And as you grow, it gets harder to move the tail of the business to catch everybody in it so that you don't, you don't end up having people in your organization that are missing. Like, wait a second. Nobody ever said that QuickBooks desktop might be going away. How, how was I supposed to know that? So that that's probably the biggest one. Just trying to keep everybody on the same page.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I think just to kind of hit on the the challenge of finding good tax preparers to refer business to, you know, I, I think there's a nationwide shortage of new accountants, so I'm sure that's part of it, right? And you've got plenty of accountants who who are retiring, but you know, we just had this conversation, I want to say yesterday, might have been day Monday with with a client, you know, they they just changed. CPAs they just changed you know their tax preparer for their business and it's crazy but it's kind of a joke but it's reality that we hear a lot of the times that I like that I like the new accountant because they respond to my emails like that is the lowest bar that you could ever have for a CPA but that we hear that over and over again they respond to my emails, so they're great
1: you, I'm so glad you said that it one of our core operating principles is answer the phone and call them it's that simple that alone probably drives a ton of our growth because bookkeepers get the same the same thing that a tax account gets it's the same stigma of as long as they're responsive to me I they're good and and we hear that all the time just all the time.
0: yeah it's unfortunate because I just I just think that that's too low of a bar, right I mean when it comes to a tax preparer specifically, you need to trust that they can give you good advice, prepare things appropriately, avoid you being stuck in an audit or you know defending it if you are you know all those sorts of things. there's so many other things that they should be able to do specifically because if you look nationally, their industry is the most trusted professional that, that consumers have right they say over and over that's who i trust the most is my cpa but that's the bar that it's being set at is just they're responsive
1: yeah and i and, and i would tell any small business owner out there that's got a you know that's got a business that's growing and 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 they've they they think about the future of what they're trying to, to build spend, spend the money on a good tax preparer. If you spend the money on them in most cases, if you spend the money on them, they will be available to you because they're not over, they don't have too many clients.
0: Yeah.
1: It, you know, the, if you're, if you're trying to save money on tax preparation and, and, and pay a little, you're, you're usually going to run into situations where they're overloaded to be able to generate the revenue and it's, it's it's any business right it's any business it, it, if they don't have their pricing right it's you're going to see problems in service first yeah yeah no doubt about it all
0: right so we're getting close to the end so I'm going to I'm going to ask you one final question as somebody who acquired a business in a two-step process 2017 and 2019 What lessons would you share with somebody who's purchasing a business or considering
1: purchasing a business today? The due diligence period is not a joke. Like make sure you take time and dot all the I's, cross all the T's. Even if you're a veteran of that business, have somebody else look at it with you or, or multiple people, your financial advisor, your tax preparer, turn it upside down, shake it, make sure that you've got, got every single possible vantage point, even a mentor, maybe if you have, if you have a mentor, look at every angle of the deal and make sure you're getting good value for what you're buying. And I say that less about our original two deals and more about other ones we've looked at since.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's still important to do due diligence, even with it, even if it's with a close relationship like the one that you guys did, right? But it's doubly important when you're buying an outside business where you don't know them, you don't know the inner workings of their business, you know, and, and it's not even just the financial due diligence, it's, see how their operations work, right? Spend some time in their office, spend some time with some of their people, with their managers, with their staff members, anybody that anything that you can do to get a better feel for the business that you're looking at acquiring. Because the reality is you're taking on massive risk. You're buying a business based on future cash flows, not what it did in the past, but you're buying it based on future cash flows and what you can do with that business you better darn well make sure that you understand what's going on in that business and how you're going to make it profitable going, you know, going forward.
1: Yeah. And, and, and we touched on quite a bit during our, our really good conversation today about, about being the complete axis of your business, right. And, and not outsourcing or developing or delegating enough of your work. One of the key questions you need to answer for yourself is, am I, stepping into a role where that person that i'm replacing as the owner is everything for that business and every client knows them and they can't grow or operate without them in that seat that is a very different than trying to buy something to add on to something you're already doing because what if you bought buy something that's a full-time job
0: yep yep definitely something to be aware of so very good advice. All right, so Christopher, what what's the best way to get a hold of your company, get a hold of you if if they're interested in your services or they want to talk to you personally?
1: Yeah, no, I love it. You can visit us at our website at www.t the number 2 bbsolutions.com. You can contact me at my email. I'm sure it'll be posted in the in the notes and my phone number will be listed, but would love to to talk shop. I, I, I love talking shop and business more than anything, even before we talk about bookkeeping. So I'm, I'm always open to, 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 learning more about, about business owners out there. Gotcha.
0: Well, I really appreciate the conversation, Christopher. Any, anything else that you want to add or make sure that our audience knows about what you guys do?
1: Nope. I, I just want to say, I appreciate you having us on for your, for your final episode in this format. And we, we, we look forward to seeing what you guys come up with after.
0: Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks so much, Christopher.